Hey, welcome to the Happier Amp Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And uh, boys, I'm getting excited about Live in Louisville. Um, it's feeling it's feeling real. It's feeling like this is going to happen. And um, given that it's a thing that we've been talking about for like two and a half years, uh, there's been a lot of buildup, boys. And we have received uh, a donation of a block of tickets uh, from a benefactor, from a wealthy benefactor. And I know that this guy doesn't want attention drawn to him, so I'm not going to name his name. Uh, but he has purchased 10 tickets to live in Louisville at a great cost uh, to himself. And he's offering those tickets to students um, and ministry people in the greater Louisville area. So here's how this is going to work. Uh, if you send us a Facebook message um, with hashtag I'm with us uh, in the subject line, and you say something fawning about us in the message itself, uh, we will reserve a free ticket to live in Louisville for you. So uh, if you're a listener and you're in the greater Louisville area, um, you owe it to yourself um, and your family and your loved ones to uh, to reach out to us in this way and to be a good steward of, of your resources and of creation um, <laughs> to grab one of these free ticks to live in Louisville because it is going to be bonkers. Uh, it's going to be the biggest event um, in anywhere. In you history. owe it to humankind, Ted, yeah. I think is what you're trying to say. You owe it to human life. I do. And I, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on people, Ronnie, but you said it and, and I didn't and I was thinking it. So I appreciate uh, that. There it is. Uh, we're being honest. We're being open. We're being upfront about that. Uh, so happyrantpodcast.com. Check out some info about Live in Louisville and then drop us a little face B message uh, with hashtag I'm with us and you can get a free ticket to the event. And uh, boys, we we don't have any sponsors today. So we can uh, we can kind of... Fast forward through the business, although there is always Ligaris Roasters Coffee. Again, happyrantpodcast.com. Uh, grab yourself uh, an order of Ligaris Roasters Happy Rant Signature Blend. Uh, but I want to get into some serious stuff today, guys. Mm. Uh, um, and I want to start with a post, uh, a series of Gospel Coalition articles by my former colleague, Kevin DeYoung, uh, my former partner in book writing, in which KDY suggested very... Um, in a very polarizing and kind of provocative way that Christians should not watch Game of Thrones. I'm not sure suggested is the term I would use. <laughs> he, he didn't suggest. He, was, he laid down the uh, the pastoral authority hammer with those he articles. Did, man. He did, and we can, we can dialogue about how he did that. But I have to say this about the content of what KDY said. Um, and we can, we can argue about this. We can argue about the way he said it. But I actually agree with every single thing that he said. Um, and it's easy for me because I didn't love Game of Thrones anyway. I kind of tried it. I got maybe an episode into it, and I found it to be um, problematic in all the same ways that Katie Y found it to be problematic. And also it helped that I just didn't like the show. So it was an easy thing for me to bail on. Um, one that I did like better that I ended up bailing on for exactly the same reasons was Boardwalk Empire. Um, that was a show that just felt a little pornographic. And um, it became untenable for that reason. But uh, Katie Y, if you haven't read the post, was essentially saying um, he can't think of a good reason why Christians should watch or would watch Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, huge cultural object, huge topic of water cooler conversation in certain contexts. And he got a huge amount of blowback and feedback on these posts, as you can imagine. Um, so, Pipe, I want to I want to throw it to you first. Um, and I want to get your feedback on a, what was said and B, how it was said. Yeah. I, the spirit of what, of what 
Katie Weiss said, I, I agree with. I think, you know, in, in, and even how he said it, I mean, because he's not a he's not an acerbic, judgy kind of person in general. So he's not, you know, he's not out there to, he's, and he's certainly not trying to spit hot takes. Yeah. Um, and he waited till it was season seven before he dropped this. So it wasn't, you know, he's, he has reserved judgment for years and years. Um, I have mixed feelings about, about saying should and shouldn't most of the time. Sure. Um, because, because there's, there are matters of conscience, there are matters of tolerance, there are matters of how things are perceived and individual temptations that people struggle with. But as a general rule, if something glorifies uh, anything that is any, – anything evil, so not just depicts it but glorifies it, and there is a difference, I think, mm-hmm. then I think there's not a good reason to watch it. Um, I just I, – I started watching the show Ballers uh, on uh-huh. HBO because I love sports. I love sure. sports agency. Uh, I love Dwayne Johnson, and I bailed on it after maybe half a season or just kind of the end of season one because yep. – for the same reason. It was just one of those things where it's like, this, is, this isn't this is just sort of depicting what is. It's sort of like it drawing attention to a lot of stuff that was, you know, softcore porn, basically. And uh, and so I, I am fascinated with the arguments that people can watch it. And it's basically, it seems to come down to, you can't tell me what to do. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, that, that's what I hear. I, I, don't see, I don't hear a ton of really well thought out arguments saying this is why it's okay for my eyes and my soul to absorb uh, incest and rape and just gratuitous amounts of sex. Although my understanding is the show is less so now than it used to be. Um, and, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to argue against him. I, it seems to me that what he said is true for almost everybody. There may be people who can find a good reason to, invest in the show, but I, I don't, I haven't heard those arguments. Hi, do you believe in, in big R, you weigh in on this actually, because yeah. I'm going to take on this. Do you believe that the guys, especially who say, I can watch the show and it, it doesn't tempt me sexually to see all these images. Like I, I hear that and I think you're a liar. Yeah. BS. You're, you're lying. <laughs> like, is there any of that that like rings true? Is that even a thing? Um, no, I think that's a lie. I think that's yeah. impossible. I mean, that's saying that somehow, um, what we're not affected by the very, you know, mechanisms that like the devil has put in place, you know, right. as a, as a, as the very medium to draw us into our own lusts. I mean, that's, that's absurd. Actually, it's, that's, that goes against what scripture clearly teaches, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's absurd. I think if people are if people are saying that with sincerity, it probably speaks more to being desensitized as opposed yeah. to not tempted. Absolutely, which is I think that's probably. I mean, and and I've been in that place before where I'm like, well, it's not that tempting. Yeah, that's because you're tempted by worse things. So right. like that's this is this is the gateway drug to worse things. And sure. so you know, if you've been in a place where you struggle with like real pornography, then this may not really be tempting because you're like been there done that not that interesting um so i think i think if a guy claims to not be tempted it, in my mind that's a red flag but there's probably something else going on there that's that he's he's probably in deeper than he thinks he is and pipe that's i mean that's good commentary i mean even how you just said that you know the fact and i know you were saying that i'm guessing with quotes but it, you know just to call this not real pornography when you know there was a time when this was you know this would have been clearly 
sort of categorized under. Yeah, it would have been called a snuff film back in the day. You know, yeah, like for real. It, so I mean, yeah. So I think what you're saying about that whole idea of being desensitized, because we become desensitized really quickly and really easily. That's not, that's something like we are drawn to being desensitized so that we can justify, you know, going further into things that aren't healthy or helpful um, for us. My, you know, my thing was when I, you know, so uh, Katie White has the, has the two posts that I've seen. Um, I agree with everything that you fellows are saying. I'm totally on board with all of it. Did not disagree with KDY on any level. I did, however, think that the first post, given kind of the standard that KDY has sort of built up for his writing and his thought process, I thought it was kind of thin, to be quite honest. Even though I didn't agree with it, I felt like it lacked some depth. It felt like something that he wrote in about four minutes and it was just reactionary. Maybe it was a conversation or just some kind of a you know, uh, just, just some kind of an impression he had as he was, you know, reading like Twitter posts on the new season. He saw, he saw one too many tweets from people in his church or people who he respects. Yeah. And I just thought, I just thought like his, his rat, I, again, agreeing with it. I thought the way he laid out his rationale felt really thin, but then his follow up where he did his, you know, again, his, the standardized TGC 12 pointed, like, you know, version of it. Like I thought that had some, some depth. I thought that had some, uh, you know, I thought that had some claws, you know, in it that um, yeah, actually I actually found the first post refreshing because of because of the typical TGC, like mm. why use 200 words when 12,000 will suffice? Like <laughs> I, I actually thought the directness was really refreshing um, and, and, it, and it was really clear what he was trying to say. And and again, like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Big R. I can find no fault in in really what he said or the way he said it. But let me. Let me pose this question to you guys. And this is something that KK brought up last night when I was, I was talking with her about it because uh, she knew we were going to talk about it on the show. Um, I think, it, it, and again, caveating this to high heaven in that I totally agree with what Katie Y was saying, but I, I do think there's something germane in the reformed approach to things to want to create more law. And I think this speaks to what Pipe was saying in the, in the beginning where, um, you know, you're un, un kind of unease with saying should or shouldn't. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it, it's kind of a, a natural way to lean for us in our, in our camp that we do kind of want to create more law. Do you guys think that's real? Yeah, I think, I think it is. And I think, um, you know, it's, that's a tricky one because when reformed people take sin very seriously, you know, the idea of sin, the reality of sin. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're going to label things as sinful, you are therefore abiding by some law. Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty comes when you start to draw hard lines where they, they, they may not have been handed out by God. Although granted, I think looking at women's naked bodies for entertainment is <laughs> that, totally that would be considered sinful. Totally, totally agree. But I guess, I, I guess, what I meant by that is the tenor of this conversation has taken on the same tenor that you'll get reformed guys posting. You can set your watch by this about twice a year on why Christians shouldn't watch like boxing or MMA. Um, and this is a, this is a, 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 that to me falls more into the category of laws that we're making up. Whereas what Kevin wrote, I think falls really well into the category of just affirming things that the Bible already says. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, yeah, okay, so here, oh, sorry, Pipe. So, no, go ahead, Ronnie. Man, you know, there, there, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Big T. I think what's interesting about this is because we now have the ability, whether we're pastors or authors or, you know, any anybody that's, you know, in a position of authority, um, should we be posting these things to mass audiences or is this, so here's the question from me, was this something that should have just gone out to KDY's congregation, right? So there was there was a sense where it's like he's he's wrist slapping Mm-hmm. Um, who, who, who is he wrist slapping? Right. Because yeah. again, like you're, you're not under him pastorally pipes, not under him. I'm not under him pastorally. And yet he was kind of doing this pastoral wrist slap. So the question you have to ask is like, what is that line for him to come? I mean, that was, that was past, that was a pastoral blog, right. To come sure. out and say, Hey, do this. Don't do that. I don't understand why you should be doing this. We could agree with the sentiment behind it, but you've always got to ask like, man, should this have just gone out to his, his people? Interesting. Pipe, what do you think about that? Um, I, I think it's I think if you're a local church pastor, that should be your first concern is always the people who you, who are in your flock. I think in this day and age that, you know, he probably his sermons are probably podcasted and somebody would take an open letter that he wrote to his church and publish it online. And so the, the end result might have been the same, just a little bit more grassroots. But yeah, putting it on the Gospel Coalition website on his blog is is a you know, it's a different platform. I think, and I also think with this sort of cultural phenomenon, at least amongst upper crust white people, that uh, that Game of Thrones is, addressing it publicly seems fair because it's a, it's a public thing. Um, yeah. You know, this wasn't just a thing that was happening within his church. I, I did have a thought when you're talking about creating more laws. And, you know, I recognize this in my own life. And so, and that is when, so Katie White puts out this article that says why Christians shouldn't watch Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones. I now have an opportunity to feel superior to those who do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, or they, at least that's my temptation is, oh, good, I don't do that. And, and you sort of fall into that pharisaical, you know, thanking God that I'm not like that tax collector or that Game of Thrones watcher over there. Mm. And, and that's where I think the creation of law becomes really insidious because even if it's a good law, like I think yeah. d- don't watch softcore porn is a really good law. Um, I think I think handling it the way that we often do in our reformed world creates an opportunity for us to go, well, I don't do that, so I'm okay. Mm. Not realizing the superiority and pride sin that you've just firmly planted yourself in. Mm. That's a great point. That is um, a great point, yeah. And I think that's a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to get to with the law question because it does it, it does invite that kind of response. And I, I think just like people are tempted to different things. I guess I, I, it hadn't occurred to me. Like it hadn't occurred to me to feel superior that I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, but it- Sorry but, if I just tempted you to feel superior by bringing it up. No, I don't. Because I think I feel miserable about enough other things that it balances it out <laughs> from day to day. But, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's truly not a temptation. Um, but to your point, Big R, about, the, about it being appropriate or not appropriate, I think- as far as pastoral things go, operations like GCO have really kind of blurred the line of what is or uh-huh. isn't pastoral because GCO, for better or for worse, has become sort of the, it's the place to get pastoral wisdom for people who have crummy pastors. Um, but it's also the place for, you know, pastors to debate about things and argue about things. And um, yeah, it really, it really has blurred those lines. I remember when I went to Kevin's church, years ago before there was a gospel coalition and before he had a writing career, um, he would like 
he would write these sorts of things and print them out and put them in people's mailboxes at church. And in nine times out of 10, it was the kind of thing that all of us, I think, felt thankful for, you know, like, you know, we were, we were forced to think about issues that perhaps we hadn't thought about. And the other one time out of 10, it may have felt like heavy handed, you know, lawmaking, but by and large, it was a good thing. Yeah. And I don't think, and yeah. And so to, to that point, I mean, I, I don't think there is certainly not anything wrong with, I mean, look, he has a, he has a social media platform. There's technically we can go back and forth on what he should or shouldn't post, but really he, he can kind of post whatever he wants as long as it falls under, you know, um, something that is, you know, um, within the realm and the, the place that God has given him to talk about the things he talks about. So I think this does. I don't have a problem with that at all. I just wonder that some of the people that really push back against him on some level, it's like, well, hey, what would happen if you went and had a conversation with your pastor about that? Would he just mimic the words of KDY? I mean, you know, if he's... If he's a, you know, if, he, if he's an evangelical dude and he's conservative, he, he probably will. Um, so are you just pushing against Kevin because he's put himself in a place of authority by virtue of his platform that you just don't want to receive? You know? Yeah. And that's, that's a valid point. And I think it's, it's a position that Kevin has put himself in. And it's also a position that I don't think bothers him a whole heck of a lot. You know, I, I think he's uniquely equipped to like take the pushback and, and, kind of roll with it in a way that I certainly wouldn't want to deal with it. Um, but he, he is able to deal with it. So yeah. um, maybe that means he's the, he's the guy to do stuff like this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you this though, from a business standpoint, if you're GCO, you're stoked out of your mind, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the perfect blog post. Um, it's, it's cultural. Uh, it hits a wide swath of society. It's uh, titillating in terms of the headline. Like this is the, this is a killer, you know. Got to be I mean, careful this, using that word when talking Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But this is this is the kind of blog post that pays the bills in the middle of all those other kind of boring, staid theological blog posts that that can sometimes populate the site as well. Um, anything else to say on this, boys? Before we move on, I what I what I would love to see is somebody. I would love to see Gospel Coalition put it up if somebody could write it a an equally thoughtful defense of watching Game of Thrones that actually responds to the moral components, not the artistic components. Um, you know, because because otherwise you're you're sort of uh, weighing apples and oranges separately. Where you're saying, on the one hand, we should not be taking in this kind of content, and on the other hand, yes, but there's redemptive value in the artistry of it, or the worldview, or the thought provoking nature of it. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't, you know, so I would love to see somebody respond with that, not necessarily in a, you know, 12,000 word article, but something thoughtful, something gracious, something biblical um, mm-hmm. and see so, so that there's so that it, it allows people to choose instead of allowing people to be told should or shouldn't sort of in a compulsory way. It would be interesting to see if what you just described could even be done. Right. Um, it would yeah. be interesting to see who would even do it, actually. You know that guy's out there, though. I mean, you know there's a reformed pastor who's thoughtful and intelligent who's watching Game of Thrones. Um, that guy exists. Uh, but whether he's willing to, like, say that out loud or not is a totally different matter. Um, but it would, be, it would be interesting. And I agree. That, should he have the, should he, does he need to have the same platform as KDY to do it, though? To, for it to have that kind of an impact, for it to be like the pushback? 
Yeah. I mean, does, does it need to be, uh, does it need to be Tabidi? You know, does it need to be somebody whose blog is already getting pushed on TGC? I don't know. It, okay. it probably would need to be. Yeah. Um, or else it was, you could just write it off as this is a dude who's not as thoughtful or accomplished as another dude. You know right. what I mean? Well, yeah, because right. we all know that platform equals wisdom. And so the larger the platform, the smarter <laughs> somebody is. So we need somebody who is equally as smart. Finally, as something we're all agreed on. Moving yeah, on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> somebody with a blue check. That's what I'm looking for. You know? I think that I can't, well, I can't not read it. Sorry, guys. That's, yeah, that's not <laughs> even a question, Big T. Obviously, you'd have to have a blue check to yeah. even like engage in that kind of a conversation. That's why Maybe I could never write it. You know, I could never. How's your pursuit of the blue check going? How's your life changed since you realized that was a thing? Which I'm not entirely like believing that you didn't know what a blue check was before last week. But that's neither here nor there. But how is your how how is your life? Is your life any different knowing that there's a thing out there that you could have that you don't have right Maybe now? Maybe I have a heart that that hurts right now after what you just said. Um, I, <laughs> I I mean I have something beating in there that that is now that is now going through this thing we call pain. Um, mm. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as one of your closest, deepest friends, I had no <laughs> clue what a blue check was. I believe you, baby. As as much as I struggle to believe that, I do believe. <laughs> As much as you struggle, you're trying. I know you're trying hard right now. I'm trying hard. I'm trying hard because of what you just said about. I appreciate our- the effort. I appreciate yeah. the effort to try to console me right now in my moment of of, of grief. Okay. I appreciate that. No, I. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, man, I. You know, I, I. I. feel like maybe you know I. I need to add this to the stack of things that are missing and lacking in my life, and the fact that yeah. me and you sit here with with a gentleman that's part of our podcast that actually has one of those checks. I. There's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting things going on inside right now. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you about. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. I, I, I just don't know. know what kind of emotional wasteland you've been wandering around in for the last week. Just I mean, I considered quitting Twitter four or five times. I considered quitting the, the podcast. I mean, um, I, I wondered when I was going to hear from, you know, uh, you know, that person unknown and yeah. unnamed that we were riffing about, you know. Yeah. So I there was a lot going on after that. It's been a rough week since that last podcast. By the way, as a show, we, we need a covenant with each other to track that unnamed gentleman such that when he does get his blue check, there needs to be some kind of celebration. Oh, where, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's, if it happens before live in Louisville, I mean, we'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get a sheet cake, you know, I mean, we're going to do something big for that, right? Let's, let's call it a sheet cake. I mean, we need a covenant together with the sheet cake <laughs> that, that this is going to be a thing. If you, and, and on the sheet cake, you're gonna have to be real explicit with the, the, the person who's decorating, but I just want a giant blue check on it. That's all um, it'll be. It's a giant blue check with maybe with the Twitter handle. At the Twitter, yeah, with the, just the Twitter handle. With the Twitter handle. And I got to tell you something, Big T. I love hearing you say covenant together the nine or ten times you've said it in the last, like, minute. I mean, there's yeah, something, like, special well. about that that really yep. warms me. We are a Christian podcast, so. Can I you mean, say it one more time just for everybody? Because I, I like it. Baby, would we do anything but covenant together? Oh. So what, what, what I'm doing there rhetorically is saying it in a way that makes it more than just let's the three of us get a sheet cake, right? Because that sounds, that sounds shallow to it me. It does sound shallow. Um, yeah, anybody, do, anybody can do that at any grocery store bakery. That is not a special thing. Anybody can get a sheet cake. But when I say covenant together to get a sheet cake, I think you both feel the weight of what we're doing. In a, in, a, in a different and special way. Um, I'm thinking, I mean, this is just dawning on me, but I'm thinking that live in Louisville, and by Louisville, I mean Louisville, um, is not really going to, uh, I don't think it's going to be complete now without a sheet cake. You know, I, I'm feeling like that's something that needs to get added to the program, right? Maybe we can get a sheet cake sponsor. Maybe that, we can. 
Or maybe somebody wants to bring a sheet cake with a blue check. How about that? I'm feeling kind of jaunty. I'm feeling like, you know what? We are media moguls. We don't pay for our own sheet cake. Are you oh, kidding I, me? What am I? I mean, there's no way I'm, I'm, there's no way any of us are paying a dime for the sheet cake. What is this amateur hour? I don't pay yeah. for my own sheet We have cake. covenanted together to not pay for that blue check sheet cake. Exactly. So here's, here's, here's a, a challenge. Somebody make a sheet cake appear at Live in Louisville. You uh, bring a blue check sheet cake to Live in Louisville and we'll let you in for what? Free? Free. Free. Boom. Yep. And if uh, and if you bring one with the hashtag I'm with us on it, uh, you can you can uh, you can bring friends for free because Ooh. if we had two sheet cakes, one with a blue check and one with hashtag I'm with us, it would be complete. I love the energy in the room. right? Oh, now. man, this is exciting. We're doing business. We're making decisions. And I fear, fellas, uh, that this next this next topic might suck some of the energy out of the room. And, and I, I'm just going to put that out there preemptively. But uh there was a hurricane. Uh, it happened. It was in Houston. And you guys want to talk about like Joel Osteen's involvement in that, which, you know, full disclosure is a thing that I know nothing about. So <laughs> who wants to get us started? Big Artie, you're a man of the cloth. He's a man of the cloth. Do you want to do you want to get us started on this? Oh, dude, I don't know, man. Okay. I'm assuming you put that in scare quotes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. He's a man of the cloth. Mm, are we sure? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm actually wearing a blue sweatshirt right now, so I'm. It's it's a, a certain kind of cloth. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is a sensitive uh, ish, right? And uh, I think we need to. Uh, I think we need to. You know, at least be be careful in the way that we talk about this. This is not like a, a great you know, celebratory thing that's going on in Houston by any stretch. I think it's been interesting. Pipe and I were talking about this off the air. I think it's interesting. Um, you know, Babylon B kind of came out with some, uh, w- with, with some of their ha ha, you know, with Joel Osteen's sort of this, this idea that he has this massive church and he hasn't been opening it up to anybody to come in and use as a sanctuary or safe haven. And so there's been a lot of criticism towards, uh, towards our boy J.O. about these things. And, um, so Babylon B kind of posted some funny stuff. They kind of received some pushback on that. Um, so but does Osteen, just, just to be clear, does he have his own building? Cause I thought he was meeting in like Reliant stadium for a while. Like, I think he I, owns they Reliant bought, stadium. <laughs> yeah. They, they, well, they bought the old rockets arena. So the rockets oh, built a new one a few years ago and they own the former. So well, it's, a, basket, kind of it's right. a basketball arena. Big T, yeah. you're correct. Answer. Correct. Yes, they are. And they own it. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know, he's, you know, it's one of these things Pipe and I were talking about and Pipe, you can feed into this, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that when, when we, you know, these natural catastrophes, they kind of hit and it's like, man, we're so quick to jump, right? We're so quick to, we don't even give people a minute to like, you know, get their heads together and we're just quick to criticize because we want to find somebody at fault. And um, so I think it brings up it brings up all kinds of questions about, you know, kind of our social media and like how we do these things. And and, um, you know, just where probably where our hearts are at with all these types of things. But um, but again, I don't know. It's sensitive territory here. I don't know. Pipe, what do you what do you uh, where do you come at it with? Yeah, you made the you made the point off of the uh, off the air that. When we have decided, we being collective conservative evangelicalism, although in Osteen's case, it's gone a little bit broader than that. Uh, when we've decided that we don't like somebody, they can do no right. right so right. like an, uh, the, the two best examples are Joel Osteen and Rob Bell. Not a single thing they say or do will ever be viewed in any positive light by people in our, uh, in our church camp, our reformed camp, because, because that's, they, they've just been blacklisted. 
And so, you know, setting aside the facts of the issue, like I don't know all the facts. I saw a reporter who looked into it and it sounds like it sounds like their facility is not even capable of of hosting people right now because it's surrounded by water and their entire parking structure is underwater and so on and so forth. So it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it, setting aside all of that, it, it, it seems to me that there was a fairly ungracious response to like he had in, in less than 12 hours was already being raked over the coals for not being the savior of Houston. Mm. And that seems unfair. And I have, I'm blocked by Joel Osteen on Twitter because of all the jokes I make about him for <laughs> the just asinine things that he says. Um, but I still think it was a little bit unfair to just be like, how is he not this? Instead of finding out whether or not it was even a realistic option, for example. Right, right. Huh. Well, you know what's, you know what's interesting about this topic? I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say about it than what we've just said. Um, <laughs> unless I'm totally missing something. Well, uh, I, I did see somebody tweet something really funny where they, they tweeted something about Joel Osteen and said, Joel Osteen's church is not equipped to deal with the rising tides. They're only equipped to deal with the rising tithes. Wow. And, uh, so I, I, I slow clapped that tweet and because uh, it, it made me laugh, even if it was, you know, untimely and insensitive. It was still funny. <laughs> Oh man. Well, boys, I want to uh I want to end us with something a little bit lighter. And uh this was a this was a big R suggestion. Um Big R, I feel like you were emboldened last week. Um oh, something man. something got into you. What happened? You know, there, you brought a level of energy and excitement to the program that um you know was was noteworthy. And you continued that energy and excitement by suggesting three topics in our in our pre-production meeting for this week. Um, and it was, to be fair, it was three more topics than I suggested. Um, <laughs> but one and of I your topics, because I loved it cause I didn't have to go like scrounging for topics from listeners who, when I ask for them, tend to send us their pet peeves as opposed to actual topics. That's so funny. It's like validate my pet peeve, you know, yes. agree with me. Um, which, which in and of itself is a funny thing that we could talk about, but, uh, big R the very first topic that you suggested and I feel like you've got you've got firsthand on the ground experience with this mm. as a man of the cloth, um, and it's timely because Taylor Swift just released a new track, um, and it's all it's all it's all all the buzz, right? Uh, a lot of dialogue about it. But your topic was older dudes who think they're shocking everyone because they actually love Taylor Swift. Now I want to ask you, where does that topic come from? Like, what what's the What's the genesis of that topic for you? You know, there's there's always been, you know, because I've been, uh, you know, I've been involved in like snobby, you know, indie rock for, you know, half sure. my life, right? So, um, so for there's there's always been this kind of this thing and it's it's more now that we're living in the age of irony. Yes. Um, and because people can talk about it more blatantly and they can get they can get it out there to the masses. You know, there's there's always this kind of thing where um, you know, it's it kind of goes back into some of those guilty pleasure kind of uh 
you know, eps that we've done. So this kind of fits under that a little bit, but it's kind of these dudes that just say, Hey, for real, everybody, like I'm super pumped for the new T Swift single. No, 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 no. Honestly, believe me, I actually buy her records. No, 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 no. For real. I actually like her. I'm a fan. And we're all supposed to just be really shocked that they actually listen to a pop star that like quadra billions of people listen to. Like there's nothing really amazing about that. You know what I mean? Like the equivalent of that would have been in 1989, somebody going, dude, no, really, I bought the new Madonna record. It's like, yeah, right. you and the rest of the known world that can get to a record store, right? And Maybe so- is part of it like, is, is part of the hipsterness life cycle kind of the idea that the most ironic thing you can do now is pretending or, or actually liking, yeah, one of the most sort of banal pop stars imaginable no it's actually the other way around big t it's it's okay. so an indie dude would be like uh yeah i've bought everything that t swift has ever done the production values are awesome um oh, yeah, it's great you, i you love it your like, hat on the production values I right like it. unapologetically like dude a song's a song i listened to you know i like the producer that worked with her so you can go all there these are dudes that are just these are dudes that are that are that are just pop music listeners anyway but they think that there's something about sort of claiming somebody like T Swift is something that nobody could have guessed about them. And you just go, dude, it's, yeah, it's no big deal. Like literally everybody in the world's going to buy that new Swift single. You know what I mean? She's that big. Like she's crossed over into just like everybody has a gallon of milk in their fridge right now. Yeah. And you're going to listen to that Swift single, right? It's, it's like not that big of a deal, but there's just this kind of thing where everybody's looking for, you know, some of these kind of dudes are looking for the reaction, right? They're looking for the reaction. And um, I just find it to be really, um, really interesting. What's the reaction? Like what, what kind of social currency is that giving you? That, I guess that's the part I don't get. I don't know. I think it's more of the shock and awe. It's the no way. Like, I think I think these are the same guys who like 10 years ago thought it was countercultural or like they, they were showing something bold by like wearing light pink shirts. You know, <laughs> it's it, it's sort of the equivalent to that where it's like, no, I, you know, it's fine to wear pastel colors like that's not a big deal, guys. But they're like, no, like, I, I don't know if I'm losing my man card by putting on this la- this lavender polo shirt. Like, no, no, you're not. It's just. It's a, it's a shirt. And that's, I feel like it's sort of the same, uh, the same thing where there's, I don't know if it's an insecurity in masculinity or a, just sort of like a, a latent almost sexism where they're like, this is girls music, but I like it. Yeah. And so it's sort of a bold thing. And I'm like, hey, no, you're not wearing a skirt in public. That would be bold. This is Taylor Swift. They're not the same thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's good pipe. I think, you know, it's like, it's like speaking the language of like what a 14 year old would be thinking right now, right? Some dude who knows he shouldn't like that new Swift single, but he actually likes it and he's going to listen to it when nobody's around and nobody sees he's listening to it. But like anybody that's part of the over 30 crowd, like you kind of don't care when anybody thinks you like or don't like anymore. You don't really get called gay or girly for liking certain things anymore. Like if I heard a grown man say he liked eating quiche for breakfast, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mock him for it. But at 15, I would have been like, that's really girly. Dude, because we know how good quiche is. I actually right. don't like quiche, but <laughs> that's but but that's not but I it's not I dislike the taste. It's not that I dislike the impression of the quiche. concept of it. Yeah. 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 You know, it's it, it's just it's that it's, it seems like there's sort of that, yeah, there's like that latent adolescent boy <laughs> insecurity there where it's like, guys, guess guess what this crazy I just I just bought this single by a, a really popular female you know pop star. These are the same guys that are calling their wife their bride and talking about how hot she is in public. 
It's the same guy. Probably a lot of truth to that, Big T. There's a lot of overlap, man. If you take the two groups, there's there's a there's a ton of overlap. I don't know. It's just so I don't know. I'm being real ranty about it. It doesn't matter at all. But it's something that I see, and I guess given my background, I just kind of go, really, like, yeah. dude, who cares? It's like if it's a good song, it's a good song. I, I mean, who ca- like who care like who cares? It's well, the ultimate. Uh, who cares, right? Let's end the program with this. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask this question to you both. What do you think of the new Taylor Swift single? You've both listened to it. I know you have. I have. What do yeah. you think of it? I have. Yeah. I think it's. Think? Uh, I think for her, um, I think it's pretty mediocre for her. I think she's written some good singles. I don't mm-hmm. think this is one of her uh, standouts. I'll tell you what I loved about it, baby. I loved the like the the artwork that went with it. The mm. kind of like 1950s ingenue mm-hmm. thing with the with the like sort of newsprint in the upper right corner. I dug that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you on the song. I was kind of like a... a it's thought. okay. I mean, there's not... The chorus is the chorus is pretty monotonous. It's one note. The verses are kind of good. You know, they kind of lead you into that chorus, which kind of leaves you hanging. And, and I, don't, I don't like... I'm not a fan of that. I like the big choruses. And so yeah. that's kind of the trend right now, what she's doing. So she's she's right in the ballpark with everything that's going on. Well, of course she is because she's a because she's a pop star and that's what they do. But, um, so, and there's some interesting production values to it. There really is, but I don't, I I don't, generally speaking, it hasn't been super well received, but it's more because they're really angry about her lyrics and this sort of victimization card that she continues to play that she keeps kind of, you know, moving forward with as a way to define herself. And people are just tired of her right now. They're tired of hearing this sort of the same lyric coming out of her mouth. And so she's actually getting picked on, not because of the song itself, but because of the lyrics. And so there's, there's just a whole thing surrounding her. But like you just said before, is this going to be good? It's going to be, it's great press for her on the heels of a new record. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and here's the thing. It, she, she has reached sort of the critical mass of popularity where it, it doesn't matter if she puts out crap music. I, I didn't love it, but I also don't love most pop music. Like pop as a style is not a thing that I gravitate towards. I, I mean, it's catchy. It's fine, but it, it's just not my favorite. But she's, I mean, think about like the whole genre of like bro country. You got Luke Bryan and Florida Georgia Line. That's trash music. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. But they've reached this critical mass that they can continue to put out trash music and make boatloads of money on it. And so Taylor Swift is kind of at the same place. What's disappointing is like she used to be creative. And I feel like that this song didn't sound as it didn't sound as creative, not the lyrics, not the not the not the song itself. It was just kind of boring. Well, boys, it was a it was a foregone conclusion that. Uh, we would end up talking about Taylor Swift on this program. Absolutely, you know it, it was it was not if but when, and it's, hap- uh, it's happens not almost every Katie, week. It's, you know? it's not often Katie Y and Taylor Swift <laughs> book into podcast, dude. That's crazy because boy, if I had a nickel for every conversation that started with Katie Y and ended with Taylor Swift, I would I would be rich. You know, I mean, it just. And I guess I'm just rich in in the knowledge of uh, of that happening. You'd be a five dollar uh, heir. I mean, <laughs> holy cow, man. You'd be, I mean, you would be rolling in those dollars, man. Baby, I'm going to be rolling in those dollars after Alive in Louisville. Well, there's no doubt about that. Believe. It's going to be like Mayweather McGregor up in it there. Is. I will. hope I'm rolling in sheet cake after Alive in Louisville. Uh, how That's about both? Can we just have, both. can we ever just have our cake and eat it? Boom. Um, I, I would like the sheet cake and the money. I mean, I, I, I'm not alone. I want to roll in money and sheet cake. I want to, I want to be rolling around in both things. Absolutely. And, uh, I feel like that's a Floyd Mayweather kind of conceit. So apologies. I'm rolling around in money and shit. That may have been 
That may have been his victory party, actually, rolling around in money and sheet cake. I can and absolutely see You know who was rolling around in the sheet cake with him? Conor McGregor. Because that's what the fight looked like to me. <laughs> it looked like two rich guys doing a business deal on television. And I felt like a schmuck for watching it. Baby, that's exactly what I thought. Baby, I'm just you kidding. Didn't I didn't watch, watch it at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. You're too good for it. You're, you're I am too good for it. I am too good now, for it, and you know that. He's a, he's just working on his fourteen thousand word TGC post on how Christians, why Christians should not watch boxing because it's violent. The problem is, is, I get to about word fourteen and I give up because I'm bored. So that I don't, I don't do well with. <laughs> That's with how that. I feel reading a lot of those yeah. posts. <laughs> exactly. Just we can all control. We can all agree on that, uh, boys. We have wandered to and fro throughout this podcast, and uh, I've enjoyed it. And I look forward to our Louisville uh, blue check sheet cake. So if you're so inclined, get to work on that. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. If you're hearing this right now, you're probably like, who the heck is this and why are they playing during my favorite podcast? And I get it. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to introduce myself. My name is Trevor Tyson, and I'm the host of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I just want to invite you, if you love podcasts, if you love music, if you love books and love hearing from the people who create it, come check us out at Trevor Talks. Simply go to Google or Life Audio, type in Trevor Talks, and it'll pop on up. Hope you have a great day.